Hello, um, I'm Kevin Kelly. This is the Cool Tool Show and Tell, and our special guest this week is Alan Green. Alan, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Kevin, great to see you. I, as as you know, I'm a physician and author. Years ago, started what was been called the first physician website, drgreen.com, giving information to families all over the world. And you are still in that business of yes, helping people with their medical needs and their health needs. Um, and we'll hear a little bit more about um, what you're up to these days. But um, I've I asked you to you know, maybe even share some some items that might be useful for people in their own um, first aid or um, immediate health care, as well as other things that you like to use in your daily life. So what kind of tools do you have for us? Well, the first thing that I brought is an app um, that I found absolutely wonderful called Time Shifter. And it is the idea behind it is to help people minimize jet lag. And jet lag is a big deal. Uh, what, a lot of people say, I don't feel so bad, but when you do travel, it throws off your circadian rhythm in a huge way. And that is not just whether you're sleepy or tired, it, it's how sharp you are, how likely you are to get sick. Um, uh, it changes your blood pressure and body temperature and many, many things. So even if you feel like it doesn't bother you, it it does make an impact. Mm -hmm. And Time Shifter is a very, very cool app. It was um, set up by a guy uh, based on the work of a guy named Steve Lockley. And Steve is at Harvard. He's one of the top experts on circadian rhythm. And he first started doing this actually uh, early on was doing it for professional racehorses and mm -hmm. for racing camels um, because people wanted them to be in top form when they traveled and it was worth spending a lot of money to get that right. Uh, but we want to be in top form when we travel. If we're traveling for business, you want to be alert and productive. If you're traveling for pleasure, you want to feel great and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So he would do this for families I took care of uh, just on a, with pen and paper. And then later I would, would type it out. And now there's an app. It's the same wisdom that makes it easy for anybody. You input your flights and it tells you uh, when you should see light, when you should avoid light, when you should get bright light when you should nap, when you should go to bed, when you should take melatonin, if you take melatonin, when you should have caffeine, when you shouldn't. And it is fantastic the way that it minimizes jet lag. Very, very easy. Uh, it, it, it costs $9.95 for a flight, but $10 for, or for a trip, a round trip, or $25 a year if you want to do unlimited trips. And, um, and I, um, the the sort of the logic, the, 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 the medicine behind it, What's it basically doing? Is this is is it trying to get you adjusted to the time you're going to as soon as possible, or is it doing something else? So it's trying to get you adjusted to the time you're going to in the most efficient way. So if you just suddenly try to jump to your new time, it takes your body is a little slower catching up than if you do it incrementally. So it does the maximum amount that your circadian rhythm is likely to tolerate, and and helps you helps you get there. And I use it both for the obvious jet lag things. This this one in here is a trip, a potential trip to Delhi coming up in September, and um, and besides tell, getting me there and being awake at the right time, I've run into a number of times when families I work with travel where the timing of their medications is important. So mm -hmm. I personally use it as a medication timer. 
Mm. Uh, there's a whole field called chronopharmacology. It's very <laughs> young, but very powerful about the timing of medications and treatments can make a huge difference. Uh, for a couple, as there's certain chemotherapies, for instance, that have given at the right, at, 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 at morning or evening don't work, but at 4 p.m. they're effective. And, uh, and it, with blood pressure medications, for instance, if you take them in the evening, many of them are more effective and less fewer side effects uh, and iron. If you take it in the morning, it's more likely to be absorbed and see. less likely to cause side effects. And so many things, there's a timetable there. And when you're traveling is often when the medications can be most important. Right. Uh, many psych meds too are time. And so this one, when it mentions take melatonin, which it, uh, it, it does uh, when you wouldn't expect like noon, when I leave to de for Delhi, uh -huh. I would say I would take melatonin then use that as the time to take your evening meds. And when it says get bright light, use uh -huh. that as the time to get your morning meds. And it get, helps you shift your medication schedule. Right, right, right. I guess well. eventually they would have a version that would do the meds uh, by, right. by medication. Yeah. Yeah. I, I should, I should suggest you should, one of us should suggest that <laughs> I've just been using it ad hoc on there right, 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 right. but that seems the logical thing and, and people would be even more willing to pay for that another thing about it that i use it for uh sort of counterintuitively is that uh, there was this one study done a few years ago that had a huge impact and and randomized studies in medicine tend to have fairly meager impacts things help you but not dramatically but this was done looking at sleep in the six days before uh flu shot and the people who had at least seven and a half hours of sleep before flu shot um, had twice the antibody response, a hundred percent increase compared to the ones who were sleep deprived in the six days before. And if you were sleep deprived before and made it up right after your shot, it didn't help. It was the six days before that was so powerful. So pro tip, if you're getting a booster for something that be nice to be well rested when you get it, mm -hmm. but when you travel uh, is often a time where you're exposed to new things and more likely to get sick. So I use this as an extra travel med to help my immune system be responsive and ready to go. Right. So, so, so let's just take one more minute. You said you have put into your app uh, a flight from California to India. Yeah. D just give me a little sample of what that regime might look like um, as you uh, that is requesting you follow just to get some okay. sense. So just as an idea, the flight leaves at noon on Monday, September 26th, but it has me start shifting on the 24th, a few days earlier. So it, it asks me not to see any, as, as little light as I can on Saturday morning from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. on the 24th. So wear dark sunglasses, no be indoors. So, yeah, avoid what light. Would you, how would you do that with no light? Does that mean like no sunlight or does that mean like you are wearing an eye mask? Uh, uh, in between. I would do I would do no sunlight. The light outdoors is dramatically brighter than indoors. Mm -hmm. um, so stay no direct sunlight. And I would wear sunglasses. Probably okay. not an eye mask. You could do an eye mask. Low but light is even better. It means kind of like low light rather than no light. Yeah. And you you could, no light would probably help even more, but practically okay. I do dark sunglasses and stay indoors. And, and the light, is it the light of the photons in your eyes or is it the light on your skin that is triggering the response? 
Yeah. So the light on the skin does make uh, makes huge physiologic changes, but for resetting the circadian rhythm, it's photons in the eyes that are most important. Okay. Um, it also has me drink coffee at that time, uh, not to wake me up then, but to to push back my sleepiness later. And then at no coffee after two p.m. on that Saturday, and at six p.m. till ten p.m. Um, it's important to to be in in somewhat bright light, not like daylight, but to have all the lights on, um, particularly overhead lights. Okay. And then at 10 p.m., no light at all. Go to bed at 11 that first night. And then the next day, no light from seven to noon. Coffee um, drink from seven to to three. Um, light in the evening from seven till 11 again, and don't go to bed till 1 a.m. Uh huh. And then a period with no coffee, no light the next morning. And then noon, I take melatonin, go to sleep on the plane as soon as I can. So so, so it, it kind of dictates what you should do on the plane flight itself. Exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, um, and then very, very bright light, 7 a.m. to... When you arrive. 11. Yeah, when you arrive. You want bright light immediately right. and... And so, um, uh, and and what having used this, what, what um, how would you rate its success rate? Uh, extremely high. And I, I, I've actually sort of self-studied it. I've, I've been wearing an aura ring forever, uh, uh -huh. so I can know my heart rate variability and my overall radius. In fact, I have the original aura ring back from when they were humongous. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, uh, and and I can tell that when I do it, I my heart rate variability is better, my overall readiness is better, my lowest resting heart rate is better, my sleep, all my scores are better when I do it. And subjectively, when I went to give a a talk in Sydney right after a flight, I was more alert, ready to go. I timed it to be most alert as possible for that talk, and it worked uh -huh. brilliantly. Okay, so love it. Um, and one other way um, to use it for people who have different sleep schedule in the summer and the school year as we're heading into back to school many of the high school students that i work with are up till midnight two right now and are suddenly switching uh to uh, a, a school schedule and that's another kind of jet lag that you don't want at the beginning of school so you study well don't get sick at the beginning of school so i suggest pretending you're taking a flight whatever the number of hours is from chicago to the bay area or something like that mm -hmm. and and put it in and and adjust your sleep over a week before school. Okay, that's fantastic. And again, that's called what was the name uh, of it? Time Shifter. Time Shifter. Okay, that was fantastic. That sounds like really useful as we once again probably begin to travel a little bit more than we have. And then my second one is is uh, is very related and entirely free and easy, and that is just getting really bright light from the sun every morning um, for at least 10 minutes. Uh, wake up, get outside. If it's dark when you wake up, get outside as soon as the sun's coming up. Uh -huh. uh, and, and that's really powerful, both for making your day more alert, uh -huh. but also it starts setting the timer so you'll sleep better that night. And it's one of the easiest things you can do. It's enjoyable, uh -huh. um, face, face in the direction of the sun. And it's, it's, Really important traveling, but I do it. Cheryl and I, my wife and mm -hmm. I do it every morning here. And it's a great time to connect and be ready for the day. And we sleep so much better doing that. Yeah. And again, measurable when we do it or don't. And 
even if there isn't direct sunlight, say it's like foggy, then um, you still want to get out in as much sunlight as you can. Yeah, it's even more important in some ways on foggy days. I will spend a little more time on foggy days than 10 minutes, uh, although 10 minutes should cover it any time. I'll usually stay 20 minutes. But if you carry a light meter around, which I sometimes do, uh -huh. um, the light in our home, the maximum is maybe 500 lux in the morning. And when you step outside and it goes up to thousands right. uh, very quickly, even on a foggy day. Right. We don't sense it differently because our eyes are so good at adjusting the light level, right, but right. a objective meter does. And again, this is your, 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 your eye, the light coming into your eyes rather than on your skin. That's, that's doing this trick. The most, most important for this trick. I love light on the skin. Also, there's many values to that. Um, but, but, but okay. for this trick, just in your eyes, face towards the sun uh -huh. and 10 minutes every morning is a great, great way to add to your life, make you sleep better and be more alert during the day. Okay. So do you have another tool for us? Another tool. This one is the Aeronet 4, which is a CO2 meter. It measures okay. the amount of carbon dioxide in the air in parts per million, also as temperature and humidity, but I have it for the CO2. And the cool thing about it is that CO2 is an amazing proxy for how much of other people's air you are breathing, since we all exhale CO2. And, and typical outdoors, it's around 450, 500, 550, something like that, parts per million. I was, mine was just 527 right here. We have a pretty big room and the windows open and it's, it's like outdoor air essentially. But once it gets above a thousand, that means you're breathing a significant amount of somebody else's air or, or if there's somebody else in the room uh -huh. and it's much more likely to transmit an infection. About 1400 is where the risks really go up. Mm -hmm. And so I carry it with me when I travel, I have it in whatever room I'm in. So I just kind of have a sense, how masked do I want to be? And what oh. am I sharing with people? Interesting. Uh, so you, you you can imagine a wristwatch version at some point. Yes, exactly. Where you're just looking, oh, I, I need to go outside. Um, uh, airplanes claim they have a really fast refresh rate inside. So what have you found about inside the air inside a, a, you know, a modern jet? So it depends. The larger planes that I've been on have tended to have relatively good levels mid-flight. And, but, and what what are those levels like? Eight hundred or what? Like like eight hundred under a thousand. Okay, um, often some of the smaller and older planes, uh -huh. uh, it it's been in the fourteen hundred, eighteen hundred uh -huh. range, high enough that I would definitely want to be uh, would warrants being masked. I, I wear masks on planes anyway, but uh, certainly at the higher level, right, right, right. smart. Um, but the thing that's striking is that on the tarmac, and particularly once the door closes in the plane and you haven't taken off yet, the levels are 3,000, 4,000, they get pretty high. <laughs> and and um, uh, what about other kinds of situations that you might not expect to be really high? What have you noticed? Like, um, I don't know, like elevators or um, even like a bar or something I could imagine. Um, what? It varies a lot between different bars and different restaurants. There's one restaurant we went to in San Francisco early in the days when it was opening up, and I wasn't sure if I was comfortable or not. And it was like outdoor air inside. Uh, it was very low levels. The tables were far apart. The ceilings were high. Mm -hmm. I was well ventilated. But there's other restaurants that look like they 
should be pretty safe and have very high levels. And um, could there be other explanations for the high level of CO2 other than the fact that it's being rebreathed by people? Could there be natural sources or, or something or other? There, there could be other CO2 sources and different people vary. Uh, so when I'm in the car by myself, the CO2 levels stay like it's outdoor air. But my wife, Cheryl, is a CO2 emitter. And if she's in the car, the levels are high. Um, okay. And that doesn't mean she's particularly higher risk than me, right, right. but but uh, some people tend to emit more than others. Because I always and, think like um, a bar, you've got uh, beer and stuff, which is all yeah, the- that's got CO2 there. Right, right. CO2. And I was just wondering, well, that might skew it a little bit, but. So, so low levels are encouraging. High levels, you should figure out what's going on. Yeah. One, one other thing I should mention about CO2, I got it for the exhaled air purpose. Right. Uh, but in reading the research, the level of CO2 in a room, whether it's somebody who's disease-free or not, changes your alertness. When it's over 1,000, you're less alert and perform less well on tests. And over 1,400, it's a dramatic difference. Right. Uh, and people get sleepy. So I, if when I see it ticking up, I open a window or go for a walk or something right. and feel much better. Well, one of the curious things, I mean, you mentioned you were going to India. One of the curious things for me when I was traveling in India was not uncommon for people to sleep outside. But when they did, they used to put the sheet over their head. Um, and I was like... I would think that that would increase your CO2. Maybe it makes them sleepy, but um, um, it. I'm just wondering, like, um, uh, that's not an issue, of course, infection. That's just simply this drowsiness that you were talking about, that not getting enough oxygen. Um, d- d- does it? D- does the elevated, like, if you have a thousand or four thousand, um. Is that really significant in terms of the, it's not like you're not getting enough oxygen. It's just that the CO2 right. is doing something else to trigger things. Or, or well, it's not, not um, in terms of drowsiness, it, yeah. it's just the CO2 level itself that triggers drowsiness. Um, but apart from that, it's not that the CO2 is infectious. It just lets you know you're breathing other people's air. Right, right. But sides. the CO2 is not like reducing the amount of oxygen you have. because the No, no. Is yeah. insignificant. So you have plenty of oxygen. It's right. in the CO two that causes you to your sleep system to be triggered or something, or yeah. your alert system. It's not like right. medically dangerous per se. Right. Okay. Yeah. And um, so, and that's portable, right? That's just a little. Yeah. yeah. It's portable. It's available on Amazon. I have it set to refresh every five minutes. So the battery will last forever. And uh, is it, are there more than one variety or is this, this is the Ironet for is, is, is that, that what you want to get? That's the, that's the best personal use one. There are higher grade professional ones okay. uh, for, for folks who need it. Mm-hmm. But this gets the job done. That's a fantastic suggestion. Thank you, Alan. Okay. And um, so, another tool. Next one I brought. Yeah, so this one, I, I this one came uh, uh, participatory. I asked a bunch of families that I work with, "What is the device that you most love uh, right now?" And the answer that came back, is, and the other things that I'm talking about, I came to from the literature. Right. This is from people, and um, and this is called Bite Helper, and it is something for uh, 
mosquito bites or other kinds of bites. Uh -huh. um, people picked it up at the beta store in Palo Alto, but it's available online as well. And the way that it works, you press a button and it turns on a heater and a vibrator and it gets very hot and very quickly. You put it on a bite and it itches less and feels better. So the idea is if you get bit by a mosquito and you know where right. before it starts to itch. Right. You put this on and it neutralizes the itching compounds or something like that. Yep, you do it before is the best, but even once it starts itching, it seems to be effective. I It seems to work for me. I've tried it a bunch. My wife, Cheryl, who is high CO2 emitters, also happen to people who mosquitoes love. And so uh, she gets the bites and, and she loves it. And a number of my patients do. Um, again, I haven't seen studies on it, but it feels good. And itches less. One thing I have seen studies on for mosquito bites, this came out of UCSF. Uh, when you scratch a bite, it increases histamine and makes it itch more later. But if you scratch distal to the bite, like a couple inches further down the limb, it helps give relief, it tricks the nerves and does not increase histamine. So again, That's... a free tip, just scratch a little bit beyond your bite. You mean closer to the heart or further from the heart? Further from the heart. Further from the heart, okay. So away from your heart, if you if you itch there, you get the satisfaction of an itch, but without without uh, making it worse. Irritating. Okay, great. Or uh, risky infection of the bite. Um, it would be nice if that worked on like poison oak as well, but it's just uh, mosquito. That, bites. That's so intense. What I don't know that it's been studied on poison oak. Next time I get it, I'll try. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to plan on getting it. Bite um, helper. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, and it's heat that that's doing it. Does that mean? It, it, could you like what temperature? Could you like not fake it? But could you, if you didn't have that, could you use something else that was heating it up? Probably, it's just on the edge of comfort. The heat that's there. Mm. Um, so, like, if you heated something up, yeah, on a stove, and then you applied it, and so it yeah. wasn't burning, but it was just enough. Yeah, that would probably do it. Okay. And I, I think the vibration helps too. And then I should give you very quickly, I know we're running out of time, a punch list of some of the medicines that I travel with or that I have in my yes. kit, I think, my own little kit. I've got some very cool lozenges called BioVanta. Okay. Um, and this, these are throat lozenges. The, uh, the, the woman who invented this, a microbiologist, recognized that there weren't any good models of, uh, that there weren't any great studies showing effects of sore throat remedies. And so she created in tissue culture a human throat in a lab and then took all the different ingredients and all the different over-the-counter things and put them in and found several things that worked, a lot of things that didn't work um, that are common, and some things that worked, at, but only at particular doses, like aspirin at uh, the size of a regular adult aspirin, 325 milligrams, makes the throat infection worse. And even oh. a baby aspirin at 81 milligrams makes it worse. But six milligrams speeds healing of a variety of different viruses she tested it with. So and, she put together, oh, go ahead. No, no, okay. And, and so what is the primary active ingredient? So that so she took all the ones that are that were beneficial, blended them together, and it, it comes as a throat spray or lozenge. Mm. And it is um, six milligrams of aspirin. It's a little bit of menthol. The, I think the two most important things are lactoferrin and lysozyme, mm. which are in um, normally found in saliva, tears, and breast milk, and are antiviral, and um, also a little bit of honey. 
Okay. So it's all natural stuff, it, and um, and but then tested it in blinded trials with other remedies, and it was mm -hmm. more effective. Okay, cool. And uh, so it's it's pretty nice. But in a storm, any lozenge is a good idea because it increases saliva, and saliva is really the magic medicine. Uh -huh. It has in it lactoferrin and lysozyme, and uh, and has all, you have, you've ever if you get a wound in your mouth or you burn your mouth, it heals so quickly because there's so many healing factors in saliva. And it's even got a pain medicine in it, opiorphan, that's six times as potent as morphine. Uh, so you want to increase saliva. A lozenge is a great way to do that. But if you don't have a lozenge, you can increase saliva just by taking a slice of lemon and holding it in front of your mouth. Your saliva will glow mm. dramatically. Well, could... And you can do that with an imaginary lemon. You can hold <laughs> an imaginary slice of lemon in front of your mouth and make your saliva go way up. If you were desperate, could you use saliva as a first aid um, application to a wound? Like if you Licking had... one's wounds. Right. There's a uh, age-old story there. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be... Um, you don't want to do it if you're sick or somebody else is right, sick, right. but but saliva's got really potent wound healing stuff in there. Many mammals do that. Right. Um, so you wouldn't be crazy if you were really, really alone, didn't have anything, and you were healthy, and you got a cut, and you were concerned you could lick your wound. Yep. Wow. It's not okay. my go-to, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so what what's another um, one? Um. Let's see, talking about mosquito bites, Yeah. Um, preventing them is better. So I think going with a, a mosquito repellent, my favorite ingredient is picaridin right now. It's as effective as neat with fewer side effects. It comes from a pepper plant in Europe. And I like the wipes because they go on easy, stay on well. This is Naturopel is one brand okay. you can get cool. online or REI. Um, there's a new mosquito repellent insect repellent coming out soon it's not out yet the ingredient is called nucticone and it was derived by the cdc and fda working or epa wow. working in a partnership from the thing that gives grapefruit its scent uh, and taste and it's also found in cedars in alaska okay but it it will be a repellent that's super effective and safe enough you could actually eat um wow. which would be cool. very cool coming soon I don't know the brand name yet, but right. that's the ingredient. Um, let's see. Also have in here Zyrtec, the antihistamine. Mm -hmm. I think it's great to travel with an antihistamine uh, if you have an allergic reaction to anything. And often people use Benadryl as their go-to. Uh -huh. uh, Benadryl's fine, but Zyrtec, uh, Benadryl's fine, but it makes you sleepy, right. most people, and wears off in four to six hours where you can have it uh, come back again, the right. reaction, which you don't want, especially overnight. So Zyrtec is nice because it's about as effective, about as quick acting, and it lasts for 24 hours and uh, much less likely to cause drowsiness. Okay. So, so really, really nice. Wow. I didn't um, know that. So I, it's, for most use cases, it's better. Right. Um, and then a tip to make any other antihistamine more effective is add uh, something like Pepsid or Famotidine. Oh. And all the... Uh, like Zyrtec, Claritin, Benadryl are, they block the H1 histamine receptor, H1 blockers. And famotidine is an H2 blocker. And if you do them combined, you get a whole histamine blockade. And it's far more effective with a less total medication dose um, and fewer side effects. So Why don't they just offer that as a combination right off out of the package? 
that's a great idea. It's another opportunity. Okay. It would, it, I would buy it. All right. Let's see. What else do I have in here? I, it, for people who need it, traveling with epinephrine is smart. I, the things you need quickly are the things you really want in your kit. Um, EpiPen is pretty classic. Uh -huh. um, I really like another brand called AviQ. It is much tinier than the EpiPens. Yeah. And um, more immediately intuitive and user-friendly. Okay. I find that people with the EpiPen try to figure out where their thumb goes. Is this the needle end, not the needle end? And the yeah. AviQ is simple. Stick it in the pocket. Um, if your insurance covers it, it's the same medication. It's just a delivery oh, system. Different delivery it's different. Device. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and in terms of needing uh, uh, something like that, is clearly if you've got a severe allergy, you want to do it. Uh -huh. But sometimes they surprise you. Just before the pandemic, we went out to dinner in Palo Alto with some friends and had this delightful dinner. And I noticed my wife, Cheryl, was gone from the table for a bit. And so I went looking for her and I found her in the bathroom on the floor in anaphylaxis um, from an anaphylactic reaction to foods and she did not have food allergies this was brand new and we later tested and i used the AviQ, and she was better right away didn't have to go to the er she had a doctor with her but she didn't have to go to the er <laughs> uh, uh, and but we would never have known there was no history of food allergy for her and she there were we took the whole menu and we had her tested to everything and she was allergic to a few things dramatic reactions to lima beans and sweet chestnuts which were ingredients in a couple of the foods wow. and she just didn't know so if you're eating stuff you don't normally eat and you're away wow. from healthcare it's good to have something okay, now could could anybody um get one of those the little pens that you just showed or do you have so, to have a prescribed yeah, in the U.S., those are prescription, um, but most doctors would be up for prescribing them. Uh, okay, for people because you could get them overseas too. Is is what you're hinting as well? That is what I'm hinting. Yes. Okay. Uh, and speaking of that, like you also have on your list, I think Zofran. Is that right? Oh yeah, Zofran uh, is a. Uh, like a wonder drug at stopping nausea and vomiting. Another thing you don't want to have to go out and pick up if you're hunched over a toilet bowl somewhere, but right. that also is prescription. But I, I, I talked to a, a EMT guy and he said that they used it a lot um, when people were um, like uh, in a trauma or a um, an accident, just because the, um, uh, the nausea was somewhat i guess i'm trying to remember his argument but something like it 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 was itself kind of um causing problems that you want to keep pressure in the skull down right, right exactly you're right so so um he was recommending that people carry although I, i'm not really sure what the use case is or how how would you use it besides <clears throat> yeah you know if head motion you know what, what what kind of nausea does it work on uh, it was first developed for nausea from chemotherapy, and it was like really changed the practice of um, or the experience of going through chemotherapy. And then people started using it for minor things and found that it worked great for that too. Uh, if you have, you think it was an infection or food poisoning that had bacteria or you got a viral gastroenteritis, the vomiting is a pretty good protective mechanism. You actually want to expel stuff. But after you vomited three or four times, you've gotten out what you're going to get out. And you don't need to keep vomiting. And that's a really good time to use it. Yeah, I guess uh, that's what it was. He was saying that 
they used it to make sure that people didn't eject medicines that they were just given. And that's another good reason to do it. Right. If you yeah, if you trouble keeping things down, they're trying to give you stuff. They would give you this to help you keep the medicine down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this, uh, you have any other, um, Alan? Um, one other thing I'd pick up if if you can, this is just hydrocortisone cream, two and a half percent. It's higher than the over-the-counter one, uh, but it's much more effective and still pretty gentle and a great thing to travel with. It is a prescription in the U.S. It's crazy to me that hydrocortisone 2.5% is too dangerous to allow people to buy for themselves when assault rifles are fine. They're, they're not, it's not an issue. But um, I, And I think it should be over-the-counter, but it's not. But you can get it other ways. Or and, and, and what do you use the hydrocortisone cream 2.5% for? So it, mostly for things that are itchy or inflamed, bites, poison oak, poison ivy. It's not going to solve it, but it just takes the edge off the itching. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, this is fantastic, Dr. Green. Thank you for sharing your first aid kit with us. I think it's really great stuff that I didn't know about. Um, and just in a few minutes, do, do you have, um, can you tell us a little bit about what your current project is and what you're doing? Yeah, so I'm still in private practice and taking care of families, a very small number of families. But one group that I've been taking care of for years is a remote village in Costa Rica and going down every six to 12 months and examining folks. Mm -hmm. But during the pandemic, I couldn't do that. And so we figured out ways to do remote care that worked out really, really well. So now we're replicating that. So many doctors ask me, is there any way I could help take care of a village? And <clears throat> there's so many villages that lack care. There's 5 billion people on the planet that don't have expert care. And so we have a group called La Conexión that we're just starting that's very low budget and free to connect people who want to be a resource with places that need resources remotely. And so very excited. That's what the trip to India is for. And on so basically you're connecting over Zoom or something and... In, in... Um, yeah, we have, we have a suite of telehealth tools um, working with, uh, and they're called Doctorgram is the name of the tools that we're using. So connecting over that video uh, app. It's mostly a vi video conferencing then of some sort or other? Well, it's video conferencing and really pretty complete telemedicine. So we I, I can get their oxygen level and heart rate in real time and body temperature and blood pressure. I can look in their ears and listen to their heart and lungs and uh, look down their throat and, and, and examine the skin in ways that I can measure over time the change in, in growth or lesions and, on the and skin. And you do that because there, is there someone at the other end who has a, a tool or are you just using their phones for everything? So the idea is pretty simple um, that the, they have the tools on the other end. Not, I, I do have them here, but we don't use those. And we take whoever is the already the local caregiver, whether whatever their training is or background, give them the tools and say, hey, we're here to support you. If you've got questions, we're here. Mm -hmm. So we're not being the um, anything other than support for the local healthcare and infrastructure. I get it. But, okay. but that makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. If people wanted to hear more about that, we'll have a link in the show notes for those who would like to participate if if you're um, yeah. inclined. Um, well, Alan, thank you. This is really, really great. Um, I always love hearing about these kind of tools because they're so um, universally um, useful. So thank you for taking time this morning. Thank you, Kevin. Always a delight. I, I, I'm loving the binoculars you recommended recently on Recommendo. Right. 
They're really Shockingly good. Shockingly great. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you're in, you live along the beach, so you have a great opportunity to kind of um, look far. So thanks Indeed. again for joining us, Alan. Thank you, Kevin. We're glad that you enjoyed this issue of the Cool Tools Show and Tell. Just want to remind you that we have some other coolish material on our YouTube channel here. Please subscribe, comment, like. In addition, um, this Cool Tools Show and Tell is also available in an Audible podcast form. You can subscribe to it wherever you subscribe to other podcasts if you just wanted to listen. And if you're listening, know that there is a visual version of this on our YouTube channel where we're actually showing the tools and um, there's a little bit more of a visual component there. In addition, the same folks that put us, uh, the Cool Tools website out, we also put out a free newsletter every week. It's very, very short. It's one page or less. We recommend six very brief items um, that are very succinct, easy to read. You can deal with it in a couple minutes. And every week we bring to you the six cool things that we have uncovered and want to share. And it's called Recommendo with one M, recommendo.com. You'll be able to find it there. It's free. Join 50,000 plus other subscribers every Sunday morning. You'll get it in your email box. And it's actually one of the most popular things that we produce. But we do produce other newsletters as well. One of them is called What's in Your Bag. We have one that goes out to um, tools and tips for your workshop. So you can get those at our website um, and they're also free. And finally, um, I wanna mention the fact that um, we do have a Patreon and um, this uh, podcast and this vidcast are supported by Patreon supporters. The minimum is a dollar a month. And for that, you get um, an email to ask us anything. We'll respond and um, answer your question if we're able to. There are other higher levels. You can all see those at our Patreon page. And all those links are below right here. So thank you again for being a fan. And um, we'll keep producing stuff if you enjoy it. Thanks. Thanks to this week's Patreons. They include Rachel Steele, Michael Lenardi, David Robson, Viral Patel, James Borsmer, Daniel Cochran, Edge Cetra, Melissa Feldman, and Jeremy. Thank you all. <laughs>